Bible, take it to Judges chapter 15. Judges 15, we've been talking about the life of Samson. And I was talking to a preacher friend of mine today, and I was asking him, I hadn't talked to him in a while, and, and I asked him, I said, what you preaching on tonight? And he said, well, I'm kind of going through the book of Judges and preaching through uh, different lives of judges, and I'm on Samson, the last judge. And I said, that's so funny. I said, well, so am I. And um, we're looking at this, the ruin of the fields. Now, Samson is known for his strength. Samson, Samson is known for his uh, ability to be able to do things with his strength. But also, um, as we've studied, Samson is also known for his weakness. Samson had a weakness, and uh, it was to fly by the seat of his pants, to live fleshly. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't understand it. And, again, I said it before, and I, I've said it multiple times during this time we've been going through here. Um, truly, what a wasted potential. You ever seen somebody have lots of potential and just end up going, you know? Uh, Samson was one of those men. Samson was one of those people that had potential. Uh, to, man, the ultimate strength, uh, he, was, he had godly parents that wanted him to be a judge or wanted, raised him the right way. And, and, uh, but Samson chose to live a life of sin instead of the life for the Lord. And here he comes. Um, he's abandoned his wife, okay? Chapter 14. He's left his wife. And now in chapter 15, he's come back to get her. Well, when he comes back to get her, his father-in-law has given his, daughter, his wife to somebody else. And so his wife has been taken from her. And so let's read together in chapter 15 and verse number 1. But it came to pass within a while after in the time of a wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid, which means that he brought a goat with him or an animal. And he said, I will go in to my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And again, we, we talked about this last week. I don't want to get too much into it, but isn't it interesting that dad was like, hey, don't you think the younger daughter's prettier? Just take her. Why are you going to fuss about this ugly one? I, I, look, I can't imagine saying that about my daughters, you know. Man, what craziness to go on. But verse number three, and Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Then the Philistines said, who hath done this? And they, um, they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnath. Now let's stop there. I want to take to you tonight, to, uh, number one, we see the cause. What caused him to burn the fields? The reason he burned the fields was because his wife was taken from him. Uh, that would cause anybody to react in a way. If I came home and someone had taken my wife, I'd be pretty upset. I'd be pretty upset. But Samson reacted in a wrong way. In my, in my opinion, Samson's reaction to all of this is not the right reaction 
his retaliation, if you will, number two, in the catching, uh, because his, his reaction was, his retaliation was, well, I'm just going to get even with him. You know, and in our day and time, many people think that that's the right way to do it, to get even. Even If someone has done you wrong, what do you do? You get even. Payback, right? We got to get payback. But ultimately, how, what does the Bible teach us about payback? What does the Bible teach us about vengeance, about retaliation? Forgive them. You mean to forgive that person who just stole his wife? Give him the goat even too. But you think about that, and that's what the Bible teaches us. What does it tell us to turn the other cheek? You know, truly, we are taught. I'm taught. I was taught as a kid, don't you ever start a fight, but if someone throws one, you can throw one back. You know, you better, you better not be the one to throw the first punch, but don't you let them beat you up. You know, you fight back. But truly, that's what the Bible teaches us not to fight. It teaches us to turn the other cheek and to forgive someone that has done something to us. So retaliation was not the proper way to go about it, but... Again, we look at this, Samson, God is judging the Philistines with Samson's retaliation, and he does. With his 300 foxes, he retaliates in a major way. Uh, But that retaliation that he does, if you will, that uh, reaction uh, was not the biblical way to react. But don't you think that is human nature? Oh, yeah. Right, right. Well, it, it, it is bottom line fact. When, you, when someone does you wrong, we got to get them back. But truly, biblically speaking, that's not right. But in, in the way that we've been raised, that is right. And it causes, you know, you think about things that our government is dealing with things that, uh, that is happening across our country. You know, someone offends you, well, you get it back at them. But that's not biblical thinking, and that's not biblical acting. But too often we don't act always biblical. I've retaliated before. <laughs> Have you ever retaliated? I got even. <laughs> it, it, with, with husbands and wives, it's a very fine line. You know, you have to live because your wife is not always, you and your wife are not always going to see eye to eye. You and your wife are not always going to be uh, on the same page. But if you don't work through those problems and if you don't forgive that person because they have wronged you, you can live your whole life being mad at your, your spouse. I mean, that's why the Bible teaches us not to let the sun go down on our wrath. What does that mean? That means don't let an argument go to bed, go to sleep without it being settled. That's where the devil comes in. That's right. That's right. That's right. 
I mean, we've got a couple families in here. You guys have been married a long time, uh, right? Oh, Stacy and I, we're going on 18, right? 19? 17? I'm just playing. Miss Denise, you guys have been married? 17 years you've been married? 49 years? Yeah, you know, you don't get to that place without working through some of those, oh, man, oh, they make you so mad. But you got to work through them so that you can get to that, that next day. Did you end up like me one year? <laughs> Do what? Didn't you end up like me one year? One year. Wow. And they lived their whole life fighting. Mm. They were miserable. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to help them. Friends tried to help them, tried to talk to them. And it, was, it seemed like the, the, they thrived on what they were, the way they were. Disagreements. Doing. Yeah. It's yeah. horrible. I it got to the point where I couldn't hardly stand to be around them. I couldn't imagine living like that. Man, that would be a terrible way to live where you're always fussing and fighting and arguing and bickering and, man, it would make an unhappy house, you know. And you go back to that and you say, well, why did you mention spouses? Because that relationship between a husband and wife, if you don't keep that right, man, it, it, it'll hurt the house, you know. And, that, and you go even further than that. You've got even just friendships and things like that. If you have a quarrel against somebody and if you don't ever tell them, man, that thing's just going to fester and fester and get bigger and bigger and worse and worse and worse. And it will explode to be a huge deal when it was just something little. You know, I've heard people tell stories where, um, well, I ain't ever going back in there because one time I went in there, you know, and they had some bad, bad, bad experience, but they've held it all against that one little incident. And look... I'm a failure. I'm going to make mistakes. And if my wife, look, hon, if you can't work through my failures, then we're not going to make it very far. Because I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make you mad. Have I ever made you mad? No. This is not the time for marriage talking like that, right? But you know, if one of the marriage, talking about marriage, if the spouse or the the woman of the man is not saved. Yeah. They don't have the feelings. No. The unsaved don't. And to inflict cruelty, I mean, there's a whole lot what happens right. nowadays. We've got a generation now that's, that needs to be churched. Right. I'll put it a whole lot of Right. But if you get a mixture there... But the Lord tells us to, uh, a woman to stay with the man or the man to stay with the woman as long as they can. Right. In order that it might save that person. Right. And well, you know, that, and the Bible talks about that, Brother Jerry, where, um, where that spouse and, you know, whatever, whatever's going on in that, that situation at, um, with a husband and with a wife, uh, but if one, one partner's unwilling, then... It doesn't matter how much work, how much time and effort you put into it. It's not going to cooperate because one is unwilling. And, uh, you know, and that's, you know, I don't even, with the thought of that marriage, but all of that stems back to being able to forgive 
and being able to work through when Samson, he immediately retaliated. My wife is going to um, do things that she's going to make a mistake. And if I'm unwilling to ever forgive her, I'm unwilling to move past what, what, what's happened, then we'll never work through that problem. And just like in Christianity, in life, in whatever relationship, you take whatever relationship we have, parent, family, friend, uh, cousin, niece, nephew, whatever it is, daughter, mom, whatever it is, if you're unwilling to you know, work through those things, I mean, it'll all work against it, right? Does that make sense? I don't even know if I made sense there. You know, the thing about Samson, evidently he had a high temper. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. It was about that, about that reaction and retaliation because you're going to get hurt by your cousin. You're going to get hurt by your family member. You're going to get hurt by your friend. And so our first reaction is, let's retaliate against them. But God's reaction is, okay, stop for a second. Let's work through this. Let's forgive them. You know, sometimes that person on the other side, they're not willing to, they're not willing to work through it. They're not willing to even admit that they've done wrong. And, uh, and, but you've still got to work through it for yourself so that you're right with God on this side of things. But we still, our first reaction should not, our first reaction is to retaliate. But for us to walk the way that God wants us to walk, we've got to examine ourselves and say, okay, what does God want me to do? How should I treat this, this thing that I'm going through? And Samson's reaction immediately, someone stole my wife, well, I'm going to get even. Because each and every one of us have been done wrong. Each and every one of us have, you know, somebody's upset us, somebody's done that to us, but... Uh, but it's, it's part of that thing where let's retaliate. And what does retaliation get us? You know, one of the things that I've, I've said from the uh, beginning, look, I'm not going to argue with Stacy. Now, we've, we've disagreed on a lot of things, but I'm not going to stand there and argue with her because at the end of an argument, nobody wins. You walk away mad, you walk away upset, and both of you are mad at the end of an argument. At the end of a discussion, it's a lot different. But at the end of an argument, it's bad. She could. Maybe she would help my throat out a little bit. <laughs> but his retaliation, if you will, the catching of these foxes was just a reaction to someone who had done him wrong. Was he done wrong? Absolutely he was done wrong. Someone stole his wife. His father-in-law should not have given away his wife. Should not have done that. His retaliation was to go get these foxes. It is interesting that he caught 300 foxes. Now, how does he do this? So, um, you know, I, the Bible doesn't tell us how he does it, but so how does he do it? Does he set traps? Does he just go out there and catch one, one at a time until he has 300 in his hand? I think that's pretty difficult myself. I feel like, just opinion, okay? I feel like he probably set traps and caught these foxes together. And it probably didn't happen in a day. No. Ma'am? Yeah, he was thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how long it took him. The Bible doesn't say that it happened the same day. It doesn't say that it happened a week later. It might have. I don't know. I don't know. But he caught 300 of them. And how he caught them, I don't know if he used super strength by grabbing them. All right, I got all, I got all 300. I can't imagine he's holding all 300 of them with one hand, you know. Man, well, look at this. I want to tell you something. In the Old Testament, 
it is against the Nazarite vow for him to touch foxes because they go on their paws. So he shouldn't even been doing touching the foxes. I know, but it all goes back, his disregard to what God said. His disregard to marry a Philistine woman. She wasn't a born-again believer, and he knew it. He knew it from the get-go, and he did it anyways. His, 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 his deal, his deal to go down to the olives. He was not supposed to eat olives he, or grapes. He was not supposed to eat grapes. He was not supposed to eat anything off the vine because that broke the, the Nazarite vow. He was not supposed to drink wine. And he went down there and did that. Broke the Nazarite vow. He was not supposed to eat out of the carcass of an, a dead animal. Well, what did he do? He ate out of the carcass of a dead animal. And here we are again, breaking the law that, was, that he set to do was the Nazarite vow and going and touching foxes. A total a disregard to what God said. Man, that's a scary position to be in. To disregard what God says. Ah, that, it doesn't apply to me. Have you ever heard somebody say that to you? Have you ever heard somebody say that about the Bible? Well, that verse probably doesn't mean that for me. I've heard people say that. When they think, ah, you're a preacher, you're stretching it a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, that, that verse doesn't mean that. That's right. That's right. Disregard to God's, to God's command. A disregard to what God said. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had a disregard to what God said? I would hope that we would not live our lives that way. But I'm going to tell you, there's been times in my life <laughs> that I had, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And I knew it was wrong, and I did it anyways. But you guys are perfect and never would have done anything like that, right? Right. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what, at home, when you was a teenager or whatever, well, little youngers, but mama kept, mom and dad kept you straight. Buddy, they did. I know several times I didn't think mother could hear me, but she did. <laughs> she saw you, didn't she? She saw you, didn't she? Yeah, she had How she saw you when her eyes were facing forward. We had a peach tree that didn't have many limbs on it. You know, it is. <laughs> but truly, we've got to be careful that we don't disregard what God's word says. Because the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That Bible that you have, every bit of it's for us. Okay, all of it may not have been written specifically to us, but all of it was written specifically for us. That Old Testament law, we look through that Old Testament law, a lot of it was written specifically to the Jews. I mean, that was their job to follow the law. But there are still principles that Jesus brought forward from the law into the New Testament that we're supposed to follow as New Testament Christians. Do I follow the law to the uttermost extent? I mean, the law taught that you weren't allowed to bury two different seeds in one field. The law had multiple things like that. The law was 
uh, taught how that uh, you're not supposed to uh, put two different uh, two different uh, materials together for clothes or something like that. I mean, there's multiple things about the law that we don't follow. But Jesus Christ moved those some of those things from the Old Testament into the New Testament and made them stricter and more strong than the Old Testament law. Right. But he just came to reinforce or to to fulfill it. Fulfill it. Yes. And and uh, too many people thought once he was here they could do what they wanted. Right. Tell them, hey, the law still stands. Right. God's law stands. Right. And uh, I'm just here to reinforce. Truly. Truly. But uh, his actions, Jesus's actions, I think. Well, I wonder, in, in Revelations it tells us that, the, that an altar was pushed aside. Uh, when John, they pushed the altar aside. <coughs> all the souls under the altar crying out for uh, reprisal against those that had persecuted them. And he told them, hold a little longer and give them all white robes and... To hold a little longer till the end of the world came, but you know, uh, it's it's just that we as individuals, well, we need to be saved, mainly. Right. We need to be saved because too many unsaved, and it makes you think Samson was unsaved because he did what he wanted to do. Right. Too much. Makes you think that. And too fast. Right. If he had thought about it. It's interesting how he had such disregard to what God said and still, you know. But with that, Brother Jerry, that his disregard to God, God still used an evil, I shouldn't say evil, someone who disregarded him to fulfill his duty. God was working through Samson to deliver the children of Israel I believe 37 years or 40 years under captivity of the Philistines, and God was trying to release the Philistine or release the Israelites from under the Israelite the Philistines' rule, and so God was using Samson, someone who had a disregard to God, someone who had a disregard to the Word of God, but still God allowed him to be used, and I truly believe that still today, God uses even some people that are in high places, if you will, of, of government or people that are in authority, God uses them, even if they're wicked, to fulfill his plan, to fulfill what he needs to be done. That's right. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, the Bible says. Right. That's right. So we see in this text, we see in this text the, his disregard to what God says, his retaliation, but then also look at the destruction that took place. Look in, in that verse. Um, let's read it together, if you will. Um, let's see. Uh, chapter 15 and verse number five. So he gets all these foxes together. I, I try to envision this. I don't know exactly how all this works, Okay. But he gets all these foxes together. He, he caught 300 foxes, verse 4, 
and he took firebrands, which is like a uh, just a, a fire, a torch, if you will, and uh, took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put firebrands in the midst between two tails. So I don't know if he had 150 torches because he put two to two tails together. So I don't know. He put he tie, he took two tails. He tied them together. Tied this torch to them together. I don't know what kind of string he must have been using. Some good solid string to to grab a hold of those foxes' tails. And he put these torches there and then let them loose. In verse number five, and when he set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up. Watch what it, watch what kind of destruction it brings. It burn up both the shocks. And the stand, also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. So in, look at verse number one. The Bible says, but it came to pass within a while after that, after in the time of wheat harvest. So what was happening here? It was time for harvest time. This was the Philistines' food for the winter. Or the next upcoming season. So you're talking these Philistines had prepared, they'd buried, they'd planted, they'd worked it, they plowed the field, they're ready for harvest time. And all of a sudden, Samson ties these fires to these foxes and they take off running and they destroy all the wheat harvest and the, and the standing corn harvest and the shucks. And the, and the vineyards and the olives. Boy, were they hot against Samson. What is that? And then they turned with revenge. Isn't that crazy, the amount of destruction he did? But again, it's God was using Samson to begin to destroy the Philistines to try to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines. Any questions or thoughts? We'll move on to the next point and be done. Any questions? All right. So number three, number three is the consequences. What took place because Samson decided to retaliate. What took place because Samson decided to run by the seat of his pants? What? The Philistines. The Philistines came back. Yes, Philistines come back, the father-in-law and the daughter. And the wife. Look at verse 6. Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? <laughs> Who set these fields on fire? And they answered, Samson. It wasn't me. It was Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite. Because he had taken his wife and given her to a companion, and the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with her with fire, and uh, whoo! What a retaliation! What a, what a consequence Samson suffered because he flew by the seat of his pants. He just thought that he could take revenge, and it would be okay. And that's what happens when we deal with sin. We have to pay the consequence. You have to pay. You have to pay for the sin in which we commit. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, You will pay for the sin you commit. You will. And this was Samson paying for it. He lost his wife in fire. 
She got killed. And her father. Now, I ask you this, just for, just, for, just for the sake of asking, why didn't they come after Samson? Why'd they go after the wife? Why'd they go after the father-in-law? They scared of Samson, that's right. The wife didn't have nothing to do with it. But they knew, they knew they weren't going to go after Samson. They had to go after his wife. Now, but now, what is the retaliation for this? What does Samson do? Look in verse 7. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet I, I be avenged of you. After that, I will cease. Okay, I'm getting my revenge now. See, his consequence for all of this was his wife died, his father-in-law died. Because of him burning their fields with 300 foxes, he paid the consequence for losing his wife. But watch what Samson does in the retaliation to this. In verse number eight, and he smote them, hip and thigh, with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock of Edom. You know what he did? He went out there and beat them down. I don't know what he did, but he hit them in the hip and the thigh and slaughtered them. Because they did it to his wife. Because they burned his wife. That's all the details it gives. So I don't know what he did. Uh, you could be, it could all be subjective. It could all be uh, based on your opinion. I have no idea what Samson did, but Samson hit him in the hip, hit him in the hip, and hit him in the thigh, and then he slaughtered him. Do you know what you use that word slaughter for? And in my, growing up, when I always use that word slaughter, talking about doing, dealing with pigs and, and chickens and you slaughtered, took them to the slaughterhouse. He slaughtered them. I don't know what he did. Did he kill them? Did he just injure them? Slaughter sounds like he killed them. Now again, like I said, I'm not, I don't know. Because that's it, that's it. Verse number nine goes on to the next story. I would, I, I would think that he killed him. How many? Hmm. Couple hundred? Couple thousand? I don't know. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know. It's interesting. He did that. He did that. That's in later chapter in, chapter, in verse number 14. He kills a thousand of them with the jawbone of, an, of a donkey. Now that's the next story in which we'll cover. It's, it's like, like you say, I mean, the Lord was trying to free Israel. Jewish people. And, yeah. and uh, he was starting to slaughter. At, well, Samson basically took care of the the, uh, he did. By the end of Samson's life, he cleared them. He cleared them out. Pro not the way that God could have done it with Samson. But because of his failure, God had to use him the way that he could. You know, as a judge, as a judge, it would be 
hard to think that he could be a judge, even though he was one of the judges, the last judges. But yet, with his temperament, I met some people paid dearly, I would think, because he was the judge over. Could you imagine? Look, I I've met some people that man you didn't cross them because they'd they'd cross you and buddy they'd they'd retaliate and nail you to the wall if you crossed them, and they would never talk to you again. Judge Judy would be. <laughs> Could you imagine crossing Samson? He'd go burn your barley fields. His weakness. I mean, just like Saul. Yeah. Saul was. Uh, Absolutely. He, he persecuted. He yeah. Killed, and he had the backing behind him. Yep. But, and eventually, God ended up using Saul. That's right. And God used Samson eventually, and God used him here. But you know, again, it's one of those things that God, and that's that's the thing about God, is that God will use us in spite of our weaknesses. Every one of us. I'm a sinner. Man, if they wrote a book about my life. Look, man, look, look at all these mistakes that kid made. Look at all that, all that mess he's making. But, but that's every one of us. And so these are highlighted for us to look at and say, well, look at Samson. Look at all his mess he made. Look at this. Like, don't, write a, don't write a story about my life. You know? But God can use, and that's the thing, is God can use any of us, no matter what background, no matter what we've done, no matter what the things that have happened in our past, because we can't control today, we can't control anything that's happened in our past. The only thing that we can control now is what happens in our future. And so that we, you know, it shouldn't be used against me. You're right, and God doesn't, because God's a true forgiver. Amen. Any questions about this story? Any any questions? Any thoughts? And then next week we'll look at this the story of him killing a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Oh, the foxes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. It doesn't tell you how he caught him. So, you know, I would, I, if, I'm, if I'm looking at it and I'm saying he caught him with, with uh, traps, you know, set a huge trap. If I, from what I've read is that there, where this place takes, where this is at, these foxes, they run in herds. And so there's a, herds of them that run together. And so all he had to do was set a trap for to catch the herd, if I understand correctly. But needless to say, with him being the strongest man in the world, you know, also probably plays some into that too. Um, because, you know, later on in his story, he carries the city's, um, the city's gates upon his shoulders. You know, he's carrying them like he's a big ma- mega man, you know. 
And then he, again, he kills a thousand soldiers with a jawbone in his hand. Now, he's a pretty intense guy. Yeah. Right. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. And here's and here's the thing, and we'll get to it with with the story of Delilah because that's going to take place, you know, shortly thereafter. But um, the reason that the Philistines they wanted to know where his strength came from makes me think that he wasn't a big, burly, muscular guy. Because you look at someone like. Uh, and, and growing up as a kid, man, Arnold Schwarzenegger, man, he was huge. And I mean, he was buff. And I mean, you knew where his strength came from. His steroids. <laughs> Probably so. You're right. No, you're right. Hey, you ruined it. No, I'm just kidding. Look, ultimately, it came from his steroids, his muscles, you know, you knew it. But with Samson, they didn't know where his strength was coming from. So it makes me wonder. I'm not, I, I don't know. But it just makes me wonder that Samson wasn't just an average-looking Joe. Because they didn't know where his strength came from. Right. Right. When he tore that line in half, you know. Right. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Right. 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 Yeah. Yep. Amen. And it doesn't mean that he didn't have anybody with him when he caught those 300 foxes. You know, but you know for sure that. He tied fire to him. I don't know how he did that either. I sure wouldn't want to be against him. That's for sure. Fight the torch in the middle. Right. 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 Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. All right. Anybody else? Any other questions? Any other questions about the story or Samson? Amen. Amen. A lot of things we can learn from him. A lot of things we can learn from him. Lord, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for tonight. I pray that you bless our time and and uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bless everyone for coming tonight and pray for those that could not make it tonight for being sick and things like that. I just pray that you'd be with them.